Many cubs' questions strike grown-ups as odd, but the really big one is, Mama, what's God? Perfect. Perfect. I read for a living, I tell people. I do. I like to read out loud. That's a big part of my job is reading out loud. So they're like, I've never read through this before. I'm like, it's fine. I can just read stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I like reading out loud. I should have I gotten your job. Yeah, it's not like I'm getting a master's degree so I can read out loud. <laughs> I can become one of those like traveling preachers like in the 1800s that had no bona fides. I like Jesus. Hey, that's <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the next Jesus. <laughs> that was his one qualification, right? Didn't have an education. <laughs> right. God's son, the end. <laughs> Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Bear and Stained Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and we have talked about religion uh, quite a bit on this show. And by we, I mean me, because I tend to do these episodes by myself, because while I was not raised in a religious tradition, and while I don't have any religious education, I have been always been fascinated by uh, religion and its histories and its signifiers and uh, what makes something authentically religious and what makes something I don't know, inauthentically religious, I guess. Uh, religion is uh, a source of peace and a source of comfort. It's a source of conflict and it is a source of uh, basically world history. It's, it's, it's complex, I guess, is how I would say it. And while I can throw a lot of facts and Wikipedia articles at you, especially if you listened to my Christmas episodes, uh, I haven't actually sat down and had a conversation with someone who knows, who actually knows about religion. And what better book to start this with than with the Berenstain Bears book that kind of started the whole religion thing in the first place? Uh, this week's book is The Berenstain Bears and the Big Question from 1999. And it was the first Berenstain Bears book that actually said, all right. We're doing religion now. And this was, of course, the influence of Mike Berenstain. Stan and Jan were not religious. They didn't have a religious household. It was Mike who found religion later in life and was like, let's introduce this into the Berenstain Bears universe. It's a, it's a huge part of a lot of people's lives. And it's something we haven't really touched on. It created a lot of controversy that exists to this day about whether or not the Berenstain Bears is a religious book series. But this book starts off with the basics of what do you do when your kid asks you about God? And it puts forward an answer or some ideas that I was like, huh, huh. I wonder what an actual person who deals with this kind of subject on a daily basis would have to say about this. And so I would like to welcome you to the show and actual person who knows about this kind of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Deep in Bear Country, the Reverend Lauren McCleavy. Hello, Lauren. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for being here. No problem. My pleasure. So you have some experience with questions about God. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell my listeners what it is you do on a regular basis? Sure. I am an Episcopal priest, and we are called priests, which a lot of people ask me that. Mm -hmm. um, here they call me Reverend Lauren. You can call me Lauren, Phil. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I, feel so, <laughs> I feel so honored. Yeah. Um, 
Right now, I am in Massachusetts in North Billerica. If anyone knows where that is, so come and see me sometime. So I am a full-time rector of a parish. So basically, I work at this parish. It's called St. Anne's. And I do Sunday services, I do counseling, I do um, care at the time of death, funerals, uh, pretty much a CEO of this little parish. I'm currently dealing with um, asbestos in the floors. Wow. Because we had a flood, so a little bit of building maintenance, you know, everything. <laughs> so you are, you are more than familiar with questions about faith, questions about God in general and how it relates to like families and people's you know personal outlooks. That's kind yes, of something it, you do. It is. Yes. And it's something I do often because, you know, anywhere you go, if I'm in my outfit, uh, my uniform mm-hmm. with my collar on it, it sparks different kinds of conversations, starting with like, hey, are you a nun or <laughs> nice Halloween costume? You know, stuff like that. And uh, I get a lot of questions, especially at parties, I find, after people have a few drinks. They like to tell me about all of their religious thoughts. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that's funny, because that's similar to when people find out I have a Berenstain Bears podcast, and I yeah. suddenly get to hear all their Berenstain Bears opinions. Uh, speaking of which, almost as important as your relationship with God, what is your relationship with the Berenstain Bears? Do you have any? Oh, yes. Well, when you gave me this book, I was like, I don't remember reading anything religious in the Berenstain Bears as a kid, because we had tons of these books when I was little, and I had a little mama bear figurine as one of my very favorite little figurines um and it had the blue dress mm-hmm. with the hat and i think she might have had like fuzzy face yeah like she was fuzzy. slightly flocked yeah mm-hmm. and i love to play with her i don't recall any of the other figures <laughs> i think i only had mama i don't know i liked mama the best <laughs> i have that figure i have it on my uh, desk at work oh cool it yeah. probably is in my toy box at my parents house <laughs> And I used to read the books a lot, but that's all I remember. I don't remember any specific books. But they're characters you were familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this is the point where they where they suddenly started addressing God. And it was a controversial move for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Veggie Tales. I used to watch it on ABC, a network uh-huh. TV, where it was like moral but not religious yeah. per se. And then I got a DVD of it from before it was on ABC, uh-huh. and it had some of the worst theology I've ever <laughs> heard in my life, and I kind of was so shocked. Um, so I always thought of the, the Berenstain Bears as, like, moral, mm-hmm. but not religious, necessarily. Not overtly religious. This is, I think, the only overtly religious one that they published in their regular line. The, all the religious ones after this were published by Zondervan Publishing, so like mm-hmm. by a religious publisher. Uh, but they still get kind of raked over the coals by critics for suddenly becoming... Th- there's, a, there's a real negative uh, attitude people take towards something when it becomes religious, uh, however niche it may be. Yeah, I mean, this isn't... I mean, I disagree with some of the theology in the book, but there isn't much theology in the book, this right. particular book. So it's not even, like, bad. I mean, it's not, you know, like, hellfire and brimstone and all that stuff. It's like, everyone be nice and respect the earth. Like, I can get on board with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. people, uh, there's, I've, I've <laughs> found articles that are like, when did the bears become evangelical Christians? And I was like, uh, 
I mean, they 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 hardly ever even mention Jesus except when they're telling explicit Bible stories. And there's really yeah. nothing evangelical about them. They all seem to be a- addressing people who are already religious. Yeah, if they were evangelical, it would be very Jesus-heavy and all about conversion and baptism and all that, which doesn't show up in this. <laughs> which is a strange topic for bears to address in the first place. <laughs> like, so I guess they're, yeah, humans. <laughs> even, even Mike, uh, when his publishers were like, we want you to start doing actual biblical stories— he was like, I can't do biblical. I can't draw Jesus as a bear. That would be weird. And they were like, Ah, we did it with Veggie Tales. We made Jesus a carrot. No, nobody cared. And he was like, I'll get around this by only showing Jesus and the and the and the and the actual characters in the Bible in the context of storybooks. Like the bears are putting on a play or something. And like that's how he got around that for a long time because even he felt weird about it. You know, he's a very religious man, but he's he's always been like I'm not trying to trick anyone into like becoming religious. I'm just he thinks just filling in a niche. Like here's what people like and these are the the religious books are the best-selling books. So obviously people are after it. Yeah, I mean, you can still go buy the non-religious ones. No one's yeah. stopping you, which is why people get mad about things they don't like, like on the internet. It's like, so don't buy that then. Right. Get the other one. Get the one that isn't religious. That's exactly, like, people, yeah, like, nobody's <laughs> like, I can't believe that Netflix is suddenly going religious just because they have, like, Christian movies on it. Like, no one says that. So, yeah. yeah. So just don't watch those. <laughs> right. Because they're terrible, mostly. Right. <laughs> I don't even watch them. People ask me all the time, didn't you love God's Not Dead? I'm like, no. Well, first of all, the title is Improper Grammar. Yeah. Second of all, it's stupid. Right. <laughs> These are bad movies with, with yeah. bad theology. Yes, I'm offended by the filmmaking and the theology. <laughs> right. <laughs> when even I'm like, that doesn't, that's not square. I'm like, you know that's bad theology when I can pick it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of a book that isn't bad theology necessarily, but might be, I don't know, like a, approach a question questionably. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. talk about the Berenstain Bears and the big question. All right. <laughs> so is this the big question? I don't think what's God is the biggest question. I think the biggest question is why are we here? Hmm. Or what comes after we're dead? Those are the two biggest questions I get. What about... What's the meaning of life? (laughs) This year, he just published... uh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's basically when bad things happen to good bears. Oh, that is the question. That's called Theodicy. Uh Uh-huh. And um, that is the... Actually, that is the question. (laughs) Maybe I'll I'll have you on that when I cover that book in about five years. (laughs) Yeah, my answer to that is usually because it happens. That's life. Yeah. I say God doesn't make bad things happen to us. God isn't testing us in making bad things happen because bad people have good things happen. So that doesn't make any sense. So that's people. People do that to each other. I'm wondering. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm wondering if it <laughs> fi- if it finally covers Job. Uh Job, that's because, a mystery. <laughs> because that would be a that would be an interesting story for the Berenstain Bears to tackle. With the Satan, which yeah. isn't Satan. Satan isn't real, guys. Sorry. The Hazatan is the heavenly prosecutor. Yeah, Translated. we always like we always like to forget that uh, 
that God has like impl- a staff. Right. It's his prosecutor. He works for God. Yeah. Or it. He's not, there is no gender for God or any of God's cohorts, I guess. But doesn't make it as fun a story for a lot of people, I guess. No, people like to shirk responsibility and say the devil made me do it. <laughs> Which is a great... <laughs> Which is great for art, but not good for life. <laughs> it's fantastic for art. And speaking of art, let's talk about Sister Bear serving tea to dolls. Oh, her little Raggedy Ann doll. Mm-hmm. And it's not tea, it's apple juice. I'm like, come on, sister. Why <laughs> don't it... you like tea? Where would she even get tea, though? Should children be, like, making their own hot tea? I did. I just used the microwave. Oh. I don't know if they have a microwave at this point in Bear Country. Hmm. I do notice that she has, and this was brought up on a previous episode, uh, she has human dolls. Yes, I remembered that in your previous episode. Um, <laughs> and I noticed it this time, because I never noticed it, but that is odd. It's like, well, you have teddy bears, they have human bears. Right, but we also have bears. They don't have people. True. Uh-oh. Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's my job, is to think too hard about it. Um, so, she, so she's... Having a little tea party, and she bows her head and says grace, which is uh, not something I've ever seen the bears do, but this is apparently a thing that they do do. And uh, what do you think of her prayer? Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Yeah, that's a standard grace that children learn. I never did grace when I was a kid. Oh, you didn't? No. I say rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God. (laughs) We had to do a, uh, when I, we only did grace when I was at my grandma's house, but it was, uh, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Or let us thank him for our food. Food. It was, well, it's funny because we always said it in that cadence. It was like the pledge of allegiance. So it didn't have any explicit meaning to us. It was just this, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I never thought about the words. No. I just had Uh, to say them. In seminary, we sang grace. It was Uh a call and response singing. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. It was fun. (laughs) I assume you're not going to sing it for me right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I used to think it was... The eyes of all wait upon thee, O Lord, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and fillest all good things with plenteousness. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for those gifts in our service, or something like that. Can't remember all of it. It's nice. And singing prayer, that's not like a, that's not an unusual thing. Like, I have a half-Jewish household, and that's like... Part of the prayer process is 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 the is the melody is singing it. Yeah, we we sang a lot in seminary. It, every church has their own personality. So yeah. my current church is not into singing, into chanting. <laughs> but in the past, <laughs> I've been at churches that like to chant. <laughs> I like I like the concept of grace. Uh, I mean, full full disclosure, I'm not a religious person, but uh, there's something about stopping and like taking a moment before you dig in that's like. You know, puts you in a puts you in a frame of mind for enjoying what you're about to eat. So I think I like that as a concept. Yeah, I usually say something like, um, if I have to do a grace, I'll say, "Bless this food and the hands who prepared it for us, and let us ever be mindful of those who go without." Mm-hmm. Something like that. And those are just great things to keep in mind. Like that's a yeah. that's mindfulness 
uh, writ large. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so sister is of course drinking her juice, eating her cookies, and that gives her time, I guess, to stop and contemplate what she just said. And so, this is where we get the big question, which is not what's God, but Mama, what's God? Yeah, Mama knows. Yes. <laughs> Always ask Mama, because then I love the scene after that where Papa's like, well, I'll take, comes in and he starts to mansplain it. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll tell you. And then just like, blah, 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 blah. Boring stuff, boring stuff. <laughs> it says, blah, blah, blah. Billions and billions of stars and planets. Blah, blah. Each in its own appointed time and place. Blah, blah. Stretched to infinity. Which, I, which is the most thoughtful I've ever seen Papa Bear. <laughs> And then sister's just like, what? <laughs> and mama is scowling. Yep. <laughs> so what do you what what would you call Papa's approach? Um too grand, I think. He's he's trying to go for like the whole universe and the cosmos and everything. Uh-huh. Which is great. You know, like God created everything, the vast expanse of interstellar space. That's from one of our prayers. Uh-huh. The planets, the sun, you know, the comets, blah blah you know, etc. I think that's a little too grand for a kid to get at first try. Yeah. <laughs> Just say everything. God made everything. What is what is each in its own appointed time and place? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> sounds familiar, but I don't know where that came from. Like, I have this feeling that Papa's been, like, exploring his own religion, like, in the woods somewhere. Like, because he's got a... He's got a... A spiel here, and we've never seen Papa address this before. I think it's related to what mama says later like god's plan so there's this one type of theology is that god has a plan for everything so everything in life is planned out in this big cosmic timeline Uh anything that happens was meant to happen and so that's probably what Papa was referring to obliquely everything is in its appointed place like nothing is random everything is right purposefully set what does that say about free will that's another problem with that idea. That's not a theology I ascribe to because, like I was saying before, like God doesn't make bad things happen. We have to choose our own path. And uh-huh. the point of religion is to help guide us to choose a good path and not do the bad path. And so if we don't have a choice, then what's the point? Right. There is no point to life. If everything's already written in the stars for me, then why bother? Because you have to, because it's written in the stars for you. Right. Yeah. See, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it's the cosmic watchmaker. <laughs> is that it? The No, that's a different one. Oh, <laughs> okay. So it's almost as if there's more than a few one. ways of looking at this. <laughs> right. So God as the watchmaker, which is what my husband kind of ascribes to is that God made the world and just left it. Oh, I see. God was like, here, I made this. You're on your own. But if he if he made a if he made this ticking timepiece that where all the pieces fit together and run smoothly, isn't that like watches don't have any option but to run in one direction? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Are we gonna go into like a time <laughs> thing? is time circular or linear? Oh my gosh! This is <laughs> this book. Quick, let's get a. Let's get Let's, a primer. We'll watch that, and then we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, before sister can ask any of these questions, Mama literally pulls her off Papa's lap <laughs> and hauls her out into the garden. Yes, let's get our hands dirty. 
Yes. And so this is where Mama starts espousing her own theology, which is, and she says, Sister, all you need to remember is that God made everything. The birds, the flowers, the sunshine. They're all God's work, all part of God's great plan. Even the slugs? Yes, even the slugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially the slugs. I was with Mama until she said the plan part, but... They don't get too much into the plan thing. So I don't know if he was going for, if Mike was going for that whole plan or just like a general plan. Like the earth was made as a planned earth. Right. There's a difference there. Like I can get on board with that. As opposed uh, to? Not like everyone's life is planned to the minute from God. I don't get, I'm not on board with that. But I can get on board with that the earth was planned in a certain way because. I mean, to me, like, everything is so complex and works so perfectly that obviously I don't think it could be by accident. Of course, I do believe in evolution, so I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, it's complex. <laughs> change over time. Uh, <laughs> because sister asks, sister asks, what about belly aches? What about cold germs? What about earthquakes, quakes, floods, fires, tornadoes? And mom is like, huh, mm -hmm. this is a bigger question than I thought. <laughs> And that's the odyssey. That's like the why the bad things happen. It's like, well, because weather is weather and weather is affected by humans. And well, the whole point of the God made the earth. So we talk about stewardship of the earth a lot. And um, like we were given this planet, which is beautiful to live on. And we've oh. ruined it or we are ruining it. So we shouldn't do that. Right. We should take care of it. That's our job. God gave us the earth. So that we would take care of it and love it and not destroy it. So it's part of our Christian duty to take care of the earth, which is a hard sell for some people, honestly. I'm like, we got to recycle. And they're like, why bother? Like, <laughs> you know, recycling paper is like the basic, the most basic, least thing that you could do. Right. <laughs> Just put the paper in the blue bin. Every day I've taken paper out of the brown bin and put it in the blue bin. I'm like, the blue one's for paper. Come on. Do it Do it for the – just do it. Do it. Like, I mean – we, we, we have composting as well. I would love to start a compost heap, but I'm sure I would not be met with a it's, joy on that. It's made, the, it's made the trash smell better. That's all I can say. I would love it. I would love having compost. Maybe someday. <laughs> well, fortunately, again, uh, Mama doesn't have to answer any of Sister's questions because they're interrupted by seeing Gramps and Gran uh, go into chapel. I love how they said that Gramps and Gram are dressed up in their Sunday best and she's still wearing like a kerchief or something or like a bandana on her head I'm like that's job, that's Graham. that's how you know it's gran okay i don't think i've ever seen gran i don't remember seeing gran she wears the kerchief and uh -huh. the square glasses that's how you know it's gran and mama wears her house coat and hat but changes her hat to go outside she's also wearing her vest in this book which is uh I learned we, from you. That's a Mike thing. That's a Mike thing, or uh, it, it's a, it's a, especially it's particularly a later, a later years Berenstain Bears thing. Like Mike was never a fan of drawing the dots, but I also believe that like Stan and Jan were like, this is a lot of dots. It's a lot of dots to draw. It's like we really shot ourselves in the foot with yep. this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's why her her house dress was never dotted in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Oh. Hmm. 
So Gramps and Gran are going to services at the Chapel in the Woods. This is our first introduction of the Chapel in the Woods, which is where will become their house of worship in all future books. Uh, and it's also our first like indication that anyone goes to church in Bear Country, and also raises the like. From a plot perspective, they're suddenly like, oh, I guess everyone's been going to church every week except the Bear family because everyone's there when they get there. It's like on those sitcoms, like when it gets around Christmas time and all of a sudden it's like, we're all in the play and pastor so-and-so and everyone knows each other. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love is that they're like, Gramps and Grant are all- the kids don't seem to have any knowledge that Gramps and Gran go to church on Sunday or that church happens on Sunday because they're like, what is even happening in my neighborhood? People yeah, are wearing well, nice clothes. <laughs> well, they know that they wear nice clothes on Sunday, but they don't know why. <laughs> it's called their Sunday go to meeting clothes. That's a hyphenated expression, Sunday go to meeting. And I actually looked this up in enough for another book. I had never heard this expression, but apparently Sunday go to meeting is like a thing. That's a very Quaker thing, because and they do a Quaker thing in the church service, actually. Yeah. Because um, they have Quaker Meeting House. Uh huh. The Friends. If you've ever seen a Friends Quaker Meeting House, there's a lot of them around here. I have. Yeah. One of uh one of our synagogues actually shares space with a a a, a, medi- a Quaker Meeting House. Right, and their church is mostly like a prayer, and then you sit in silence until you feel moved by the Spirit to speak. Uh huh. And then you talk. And then you sit down and then the next person will talk if they feel moved and you just sit there for like an hour, however long. And if somebody talks, they talk. And if not, you sit quietly and pray. And that's exactly what the guy does in the book, which is hilarious. Well, I believe, I believe Mike Berenstain, uh, his kids went to Quaker school. There you go. So my husband went to Quaker school. So that's how I know this. (laughs) So if these if these traditions seem very specific, that might have to do with with where Mike is coming from in this. Uh, and so they're going to, like they're going to church. I hope you weren't planning on doing anything else today because Mama gets it in her head to, to take her family to church, which means she puts on her hat. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, gotta get to gotta get to services. Throws on her hat, uh, and Papa puts on his felt hat, and they hit they hit the they hit the road. Right, and it's a lovely little chapel, I have to say. Nice stained glass, big organ. It really is. Now, you were saying something about church architecture. Oh, yes. Church architecture is is an interesting subject because whenever a church was built, it reflects the theology, the prevailing theology of that period of time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in the Roman Catholic Church. It's kind of static, okay. but like in Protestant denominations and Anglican Episcopal because Episcopalians are not Protestants. Thank you. Anyway, (laughs) it changes over time. So you can tell when a church was built, an Episcopal church, you can tell when it was built by like how big the altar is or small the altar is or how big the pulpit is because times shift over what's important. So like in the Episcopal church, in colonial times, like in the eight, and then in the 1800s, the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, the bread and wine, was only done three times a year. It was like Christmas, Easter, and then another feast day. So the altar was not a big thing. They would haul it out for those days. The main thing was the word. You were coming to learn. So the pulpit was the main focus of the architecture. Now, around 1900, it's changed in the Episcopal Church. Now, we have communion every week, so the altar is our main focus, and our 
pulpit is just basically ours is just uh, a lectern, like a podium. Oh, I see. Um, and the sermon is still important because I spend most of my time working. I'm about 10, 12 hours a week working on a sermon. But uh, the main focus is sharing the communal meal together. Now, some traditions don't do communion ever. Some do it once a month, that kind of thing. So churches that don't have communion every week tend to have the focus being the pulpit. So we open into the chapel, and what is in the center of the chapel is this huge pulpit that looks like a ship. Uh-huh. If you look at the front of it, because churches are built to look like upside-down ships. Really? Like Noah's Ark. Yeah. Episcopal well, churches are. If you look at the ceiling, it's inside of a boat. Well, I'll be darned. So it looks like a ship. Yeah. You're learning a lot about architecture today. No, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So the preacher is standing smack in the middle of the room, way up high. So that means purpose of this church is to learn and listen to the preacher and that's it and then there's the organs they sing so this church could be congregationalist or presbyterians yeah uh -huh. <laughs> or i've never been to a quaker meeting house but i assume they don't have a giant pulpit but so church architecture keep on the lookout for it if you ever go visiting around well the preacher is wearing a collar Yes, so probably not Quaker. Probably not. <laughs> uh, he's not named either. Uh, Witter McGriz is playing the organ, a, a nice big organ. Uh, oh, but, Widow McGriz, who had the yard sale? Which is funny because she's only been referred to as Ms. McGriz in the books, but in the cartoon, of course, she's the Witter Jones. This is like a strange combination of Witter Jones and Ms. McGriz as the Witter McGriz. She's defined by her witterhood. Yeah, that's lame. She should be her own person. <laughs> I like to think she chose that name for herself. She's probably never <laughs> even been married. She's embracing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the preacher is talking about... Well, we don't know what the preacher is actually talking about because the 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 everything immediately becomes about the congregation because he kind of turns it back on the congregation. Yeah, this means that he got busy during the week and <laughs> decided not to write a sermon. I had a boss who, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but he, I guess, got busy or something. And he goes and he's decided, he gets up in front of the congregation, he goes, I'm going to tell you about this stained glass window. And he talked about this stained glass window for like 15 minutes. And I just was, I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> for 30 years is that you don't have an old one in the chamber somewhere that you can pull out for today instead he gave us a lecture about the stained glass window so whenever i'm stuck on a sermon my husband goes just talk about the windows yeah <laughs> <I'm> like oh <laughs> well yeah, they also too hardy, too hardy on saturday night yeah. <laughs> and didn't get around to writing the sermon <laughs> he also speaks in a vernacular uh they have yeah, him say he says, instead of me doing the preaching, yeah. I want you to do it. Uh, you do the preaching today. And I, this is another unusual thing in bear country. We, we don't usually get the bears talking in any kind of dialect, but they, they, they specifically have him speaking uh, with a dialect. He's doing like that country preacher or like, I'm just a plain old country lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Not from the big city, you know, whatever uh, thing, which is weird. Yeah, I, I, I assume it's supposed to invoke a certain style for our readers. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, this one thing I was going to uh, comment on is that the, I I've, I frequently have compared Bear Country to Springfield uh, to The Simpsons because <laughs> yeah. they they have a similar structure. You've got this central family. You've got this extended uh, cast of 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 personalities, very colorful locals. And what's funny is no one ever criticized The Simpsons for being regular churchgoers. But when suddenly the Berenstain Bears became churchgoers, it was a huge deal. But the Simpsons always went to church. That was a pretty central part of their storyline. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Maybe because it was originally there. Yeah. So it was always there. Because change is hard, y'all. That is true. Right? So it wasn't a new thing. The first episode of The Simpsons is a Christmas episode, right? When they get the dog. True. So it starts out right off the bat. We're yeah. doing Christmas. We accept the Christian mythos or Santa or whatever. But we've always had Christmas. I mean, the first Christmas special for the Bear, the first cartoon for the Berenstain Bears was the 1970s uh, Christmas tree special. So oh, hmm. we know that Bear Jesus existed at some point. Uh, it's, it, as I've said in the past, in Bear World, uh, events have occurred in a roughly similar way to the, to what how they happened on Earth. So that we know that we know there's a Bear Middle East. We know that there's these Bear traditions, and there's a Bear Middle East. <laughs> well, there has to be because we've I know, if we, there's a Jesus. We've seen the we've seen the Bible. We've seen the way it works. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm gonna blow your mind that Jesus was Middle Eastern. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> probably then, was a blonde. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's probably a brown bear, just like yeah. all the other bears in bear country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sister's getting fidgety. Yes. So this is where it turns to church is boring. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so the point of the book was, what's God? I don't know. Let's go to church. Church is boring. Uh-huh. Let's go home. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, she like they, they they devote a whole like panel to just sister having a hard time sitting still. Uh and I guess this is of course probably based on like Mike's experiences going to church and his kids going to church. Like it's relatable if you're a kid and you go to church. It's not always the most exciting thing in the world. I mean, I, I can get bored at church now. <laughs> Depends on the church, not what I'm doing when I'm performing the service, but <laughs> I was gonna say no. <laughs> if I go to another church when I'm on vacation, which peek behind the curtain, when a priest is on vacation, they don't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know. I'm sleeping in. <laughs> my dad was shocked once in seminary. My three friends and I came to visit because we did like a, a zombie run through the woods. It was fun. And, um, it was Sunday morning, and none of us went, got up. We all slept in and didn't go to church. My dad's like, aren't you going to church? We were like, no. <laughs> He's like, but you're seminarians. I'm like, yeah, we do church three times a day. Right. <laughs> going to church today. We just off. <laughs> uh, wherever I am, that's church. Yeah, right. I said a prayer when I woke up. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Look around you. The world's a church. Accurate, but that's gonna put me. It'll put me out of a business, job. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so Farmer Ben's dance. So basically, the preacher has turned everything back onto the bears and is like, "You guys lead. You guys lead it. Just tell me what. Tell me what. I don't remember what his actual words were, but he's like, uh, 
He's like, uh, I want you to do it. Uh, you sit there and think about the big questions in life, and when the spirit moves you, stand up and speak your piece. And so you said that was kind of what Quakers do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, yeah. If you've ever seen the show Six Feet Under, there's a whole arc where Nate decides to become Quaker. So um, if you wanted to see it in popular culture, that's one thing. Yeah, it's kind of like silent... Like, here's 45 minutes, and we're going to sit in silence unless somebody wants to say anything. So, yeah, so that's what happens. It gets very <clears throat> still and quiet, and sister gets itchy and fidgety. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Farmer Ben stands up, and he's like, On this fine morning, I've been thinking about our beautiful bear country, about its woods and fields, its sparkling streams and rolling hills. I'm thankful for bear country. I feel grateful to God for giving us such a beautiful land in which to live. All right. That's, Thank you. <laughs> that's Farmer Ben. Nothing questionable or problematic about that. We have seen Farmer Ben uh, chase other other bears uh, with a pitchfork off really? of his off of his land. Uh, he has <laughs> also has a a fiery temper, uh, so we know that he is not always this quiet and contemplative. Uh, he is one of two very conservative bears in bear country. He and Gramps are the two most likely to start yelling at you. Uh, or their spouse for for various things. So it's nice to see this side of Ben. Sounds like a typical churchgoer. <laughs> <laughs> and farmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no shade. I'm not showing, throwing any shade to my farmer listeners out there. You're all beautiful people. Backbone of the country. Uh, right. So, no farms, no food. So. Right. Uh, so we, now we know that there are flies in the chapel because a fly lands in front of Sister. Um, and then Grand stands up to say that she's thankful for her grand cubs, that they're there, and that she's thankful to God for two such wonderful cubs. And that's a great way to have your grand cubs never come back to church again because <laughs> you embarrass them. By pulling all the attention <laughs> on them? I went to a parish. When I was in seminary, I was a student at this parish in Jamaica, Queens. And they had a tradition where whenever a new person showed up that they didn't know during announcements, which is halfway through, you had to stand up and tell everyone your name, like who you were and why you were there. And like they made you like you did not get out. Wow. of it. And I, if I, I said, if you did that to me and I wasn't forced to be here because was, it was a great parish, but I'm like, this is not. Well, they thought it was welcoming. It's like, yeah. this is not welcoming. This, this is embarrassing. <laughs> It's like, I wouldn't have come back. So that's a good way to never see them again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fortunately, brother and sister do not have a choice. Right, exactly. If they Uh, were adults, that would have been a good way to never see them again. (laughs) Because the next thing that happens is Mama stands up and apologizes for not ever coming to church. (laughs) And saying that she's glad that they came this morning. It's helping her think things through. Mm-hmm. And brother and sister exchange a sly look between the two of them in the illustration. And that's another way to never have people come back to church is if you don't bother to write a sermon <laughs> and you say, you guys preach and you have a new family come, they're not coming back. I'm like, this is church. This is awful. <laughs> well, it does seem to be this weird like combination between what you described as the Quaker style of doing things, but also having uh, uh, a, a collared preacher or minister at the front of the church like it seems to be like they're trying to have their like quaker cake and eat it too yeah i think the i think the the minister bear just spaced out on the sermon yeah yeah i think he just didn't wanna he had one of those weeks (laughs) 
Well, it worked. Whatever, whatever he did worked because everyone's thrilled. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't have the Cubs get up to speak. That would have been like pushing credulity, in my opinion, a little much. Definitely, yeah. They would definitely. They didn't want to go in the first place. They're not going to get up and talk unless you know it's like the Blues Brothers or the beam of light comes down on them. <laughs> That's and they, they start should. doing backflips. Yeah, they should have. They should have dropped a heavy Blues Brothers reference into the end of <laughs> the Bear's yeah, Day that, question. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does end with Brother Bear literally doing cartwheels out of church. Exactly, because he was so stiff from sitting still so long. He had to do cartwheels. And you know what? I like the fact that that they didn't go with like the beam of light and the sudden revelation and the cubs being like this is where i need to be it's mostly like well this was kind of awkward and uncomfortable and these pews are very hard to sit in and i'm glad it's done but it ends on a note about god creating questions yes i mean the ending is strangely abrupt uh-huh. i think but how could you possibly end this book, I was thinking about it more. I'm like, there is no answer to these questions. They, these, there are no, are no answers. People uh-huh. who come to church thinking they're going to get an answer. If anyone tells you that they know it all and they have the answer, they're lying or they're misinformed. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. So in, in my tradition, we welcome questions. We say, you know, like you don't have to check your brain when you come to church, like ask questions, interpret things for yourself. Don't just go what I say, because I don't know everything. Uh-huh. Uh, I really don't know everything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lots of parishioners remind me of that often, too, <laughs> mostly the older ones. So, uh, I mean, so I think it's good in that way that it ends open-endedly, because mm-hmm. there's no way to answer the question, what is God, or, or whatever. Did God make questions? Yeah, God made questions. I like ending a book about God, about religion, about church going even, with the with the idea that the most important takeaway from this is that you should just keep asking questions. We we studied systematics in seminary, systematic theology. So confusing. But anyway. <laughs> what is what so, what is systematic theology? That's please a good please question. sum it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's the study of different ways that various theologians over time have tried to systematize things okay so like we had plato we read the, this the cave mm-hmm. god is like we're, we're sitting in a cave and all we can see is shadows you know that have you ever read the cave narrative? oh yes yeah. so we did that you know then we got i, I did a report about gregory of nazianzus who is a saint orthodox saint who believed that if you sat he, he was a monk in this order that would sit and pray for long enough until they saw lights Okay. And in and in that light was where God was. So basically they were starving themselves until they hallucinated. And that's Fascinating. what God is. Right. So, you know, like there's so systematics. Different ways people have tried to codify and explain religion. Mm-hmm. So these questions have been around forever and ever. Like you got the Hebrew Bible, you read so many we I took Hebrew, which was torturous. Hebrew is hard, man. It's hard language. Um, <laughs> well, now you know what all those all those poor kids going to Hebrew school every oh, week go through. Every there were four of us in class, and every week one of us would cry. It was oh, we would no. cry. It was so hard. I, we called it our weekly weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And we chose to do it. It was an elective. Oh. <laughs> we didn't have to take it. That's the thing about electives. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have to take this class. But I mean, I, I found it helpful in studying the Hebrew Bible. Um, I did a whole sermon about Jonah, which a lot of people never even read Jonah. They just think of a whale. It's not a whale. It's a fish. And the fish changes gender from one sentence to the next. And there's like volumes of works written about this gender change. Oh, wow. The fish which could have been a typo, but it's not a typo because the scribes are divinely appointed and never make mistakes. So then they wrote, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's systematics. So in the end, questions are good because we always learn. I tell my person is always, the Bible was written by people, not in a vacuum. So you can't just read it and say, oh, you have to read about the history of the time and who these people were. Mm -hmm. Who is Zoroaster? Who is Herod? You know, what was happening? The temple was destroyed in 70, and that's when Luke wrote his book. So his book has lots of overtones about the temple being destroyed because it just was destroyed in real life. Like, you have to think about all that and ask questions about it. And then how does it relate to today? That's another great question because he's talking about fishing and sheep and I'm not a shepherd so how does being a shepherd relate to life now you know all that stuff all that stuff <laughs> no this is so, great questions are good and when you're reading like these prophecies that are in there people try to figure out the end of the world prophecy doesn't mean future prediction in ancient times it meant truth telling so prophets didn't predict the future they told the truth about the present so it's like yeah, questions are good. If you don't ask any questions, you never learn. That's what I always tell people. And if you don't learn, you don't grow. Yeah, I went to a I went to a college that was founded by the Lasallian Brotherhood, mm -hmm. and uh, so we had to take we had to take classes in theology. We had to take Bible study classes, and uh, it, many of the classes were taught by the Christian brothers. And that sort of that was the first exposure I ever had to like thinking about the Bible, thinking about religion uh, outside of the sort of fundamentalist approach that was taught to me as a kid, like the literalist approach, the the stop thinking about it, just do it, just say your prayers and uh, don't question your elders. And mm. and even like even the children's books that I was given about uh, about religion were just basically Bible stories with no context and no explanation. So. I, as weird as it might be for some people to suddenly be like, oh, the Berenstain Bears have a religious book. To me, the Berenstain Bears and the Big Question is one of the more refreshing books along those lines, simply because it tells kids to ask questions. Right. And, you know, anyone with a little kid will tell you they get sick of questions after a while, but you should always ask questions. Always. Yeah. Even as an adult, I think we kind of just... As adults, we accept things the way they are and uh -huh. just go, oh, well, that's how it is. And it's like, well, that's not how it has to be. And why are things this way? If you dig into why are things this way, uh, that's a lot of stuff. Like I had a professor saying that science and religion are not in conflict because they ask different questions. The science wants to know how things work. And religion wants to know why things work. Why are we here? The mechanics of science... And like they're not related, so people take the Bible as a scientific book is ridiculous. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> as I said, that's a sermon for another day. Um, 
So asking questions is always good. I love it when my parishioners ask me questions. Like they come up to me, older parishioners, and they're like, um, I don't mean to to question you or, or bother you, but I always thought such and such. And, and, and I'm like, no, ask me questions. They have this like authoritarian view, like the priest is the authority and I have to fall in line. And that's not how we do it anymore. We call that the father knows best model. <laughs> That's how it was back in the day in the 50s that everyone seems to want to go back to the 50s. And I tell them the 50s weren't that great if you think about it. But now we have more of a, I don't have all the answers. Maybe you have answers. When I, I go to the prison and do Bible study there, and these inmates will say things about the text and I never thought of. Mm. And I'll tell them that I've never thought of it that way. Like, that's a really great insight. I'm going to steal that and use it next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mind. But they think, you know, that I'm the authority. But then, you know, asking questions and having your own thoughts is essential to faith. That is faith. Yeah. It's a lot different Otherwise, than it was 2,000 years ago when everyone was desperately getting ready for the end of the world. Oh, yeah. That's a whole... We can have a whole day about <laughs> eschatology. I talk about es eschatology. Um, yeah, they thought the world was going to end, like, imminently. Well, yeah. Because that's what Jesus said. That's what he said. <laughs> and so, like, they're like, just stop asking questions and just get ready. Well, now we're, we are saying we are in the end times. This is the end times. We're in it. Like, life is that, always. Mm. Like, no rap. The rapture isn't a real thing. It was invented in the late 1800s by a farmer in America somewhere. Yes. It's a conflation of a bunch of stuff. Like, that stuff, nah. I know. I'm going to get dinged on that one, probably. Oh. I don't know. Do you have any, like, uber-conservative religious people who listen to this? I have podcast? no idea, actually. No one ever writes me about that kind of stuff. My regular correspondents are just like, I love the bears. So, okay, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> So at the end of the day, this is where I wrap things up. Uh, the Berenstain Bears and the big question. Uh, as a uh, as a reader, as a as a uh, as a person who is interested, in, as a parent, as a citizen of the world, would you consider this a good book to have on the bookshelf? Yeah, I think it would be good to have. Um, it's not overtly preachy. It is kind of like church is boring, which I don't like that sentiment that much because that's my business but uh, <laughs> i i know that it is boring for kids <laughs> I, i've been there um i think it's not doesn't have anything too abhorrent just like the god's plan thing but that's something we can discuss it's a good question to bring up yeah if you're reading it with a kid for me as like a as a priest yeah i think i would like this book this book has actually grown on me. Uh, I didn't care for it when I first read it a, a long time ago because I found it very slight. But uh, it's now one of the Berenstain Bears books that I consider a conversation starter. There's a bunch that kind of raise points and then don't seem to go anywhere with them. And I think that when that's like when it's about cleaning your room, that can be like detrimental to a book's effectiveness. But when it's about like talking about God, that's kind of a good thing. It's just raise some questions and then you can set the book aside and like have a conversation with your kids about it because that's the whole point of the book. Uh, right. So I like it. I think it's nicely illustrated. I, I like the, I like, as you brought up the church architecture, 
Uh, and it and it fills in some gaps in bear country as to like what kind of services they attend, uh, who all goes to church. I didn't notice my say Queenie McBear's family there, so <gasps> maybe they're off doing their own thing, or maybe like uh, maybe Squire. Yeah. Oh, McBear. They're at the the Bearman Catholic Church. Yeah, probably in Big Bear City. They probably go to the big the big church in Big Bear City. That's probably where Squire Grizzly and his family are. So uh, assuming they go, I don't know. I didn't notice Raffish Ralph there. Probably not, a, not allowed through the doors anymore. So uh, who knows uh, in bear country. Uh, one thing I do know is that I am very happy that you agreed to be on the show this week. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you for letting me ramble on about I can talk forever. I love guesting on podcasts. (laughs) Uh, Is there any place that our listeners can uh, find you online or any any place you would care to send our listeners? Sure. I have a website called therevlauren.com. And from there you can find it's mostly just where I post my sermons and some photos and things. So that's it. You can find me through there. Just don't stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us online at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter at bstainbearcast. I also have a Patreon, uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country, if you ever want to go over there. I have two other podcasts. Uh, it's Del Toro Time, a Guillermo Del Toro podcast that I host with my teenager, Ollie. And Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast that comes out sporadically uh, that I co-host with John McCoy of uh, Sophomore Lit fame. So that is where you can find me if you want to hear more of my sonorous tones. Uh, I don't know why I said that. That's a ridiculous thing to say on my own podcast. <laughs> because most people are probably like, you sound weird and nasally. I don't know why you just said that. But uh uh lauren thank you once again for being on the show it was a pleasure yes as always my pleasure and, and it's been a pleasure speaking to you i've never talked to you before so that's hi, so hi. weird that's so <laughs> it's always funny to like i've heard your voice because i've listened uh to you i've actually listened to uh your sermons when you've posted them because i find them fascinating uh you're always like i don't know if anyone's interested in this but here's something i'm i'm proud of <laughs> like of course i'm interested in this I'm glad you're the one. (laughs) (laughs) So you keep doing what you do, and I'll keep doing what I do. (laughs) And for everyone else out there, keep doing what you guys do. I don't know what it is, as long as it's safe. And uh, I will see you all next week deep in bear country.